So we're here this week um, beginning, a, beginning a new series. Uh, we, we've gone through a couple and uh, we finished up I Am and we should all know uh, all about Jesus' identity now after the, the series I Am. But now we are uh, moving into the book of Colossians. And the series is More Than Enough in Christ. More Than Enough in Christ. It is, uh, it can be read multiple ways, and so it, that's on purpose. Um, there's more than enough in Christ. Uh, we have more than enough in Christ. Christ is more than enough. Uh, however, however you want to look at it, um, more than enough in Christ. The letter of Paul to the Colossians. I want to begin reading at chapter 1, start at verse 1. Colossians chapter 1, and I'll start reading at verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you <clears throat> in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. He's made known to us your love in the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you <clears throat> for your word. We thank you um, for this time. Uh, be with us now as we open it, Lord. Be present. Allow us to experience and encounter you, Lord, in fresh ways. Open our, our eyes and our ears that we may behold wonderful things in your word. Uh, Father, we ask for fresh anointing, Lord, to preach and anointing to receive. Uh, clear our minds now, Lord. Um, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you're my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Dr. Alexander White of Edinburgh was famous for his pool pit prayers. He always found something to thank God for, even in bad times. One stormy 
morning, a member of his congregation thought to himself, the preacher will have nothing to thank God for on a wretched morning like this. But White began his prayer. We thank thee, O God, that it is not always like this. <laughs> uh, he said something there. <laughs> we, we can be guilty of coming to God and right away dumping problems and concerns at his feet. And I know that scripture calls us to take our cares to him. But when we rush in and sometimes just not remembering the things that we should first give thanks for, uh, there are things that we should be giving thanks for. I, I, I have sometimes rushed into the presence of the Lord and uh, got down on my knees and I had all my supplications and my requests and my intercession. I had it all prepared, what I was going to say to him, and got down on my knees. And then uh, by some way, he's taking hold of my, my tongue. Um, and then the only words I can get out is, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It caused me to realize that there, there's people that might, might love to have my problems. <laughs> yeah. Here in the, here in the text today, uh, a church in the midst of challenges is reminded that there is always a few things to be thankful for. That's the text. A few things to be thankful for. <clears throat> And I know that I know it's a hard argument. <laughs> I know there's someone here who can say, "Ah, there's nothing to be thankful for." But that's what's in the text. Uh, by way of background, the letter of uh, the letter to the Colossians was written to address <clears throat> some of the teachings and, and some teachings and influences that were contrary to the true gospel and were threatening to push into the church. If left unchecked, these influences could shipwreck the faith of some in the church. The answer to the harmful teaching is in the text is, is found to be in the recognizing and the exalting of Jesus as preeminent and sufficient for every need and condition of the church. The Apostle Paul receives word of the Colossians while he's being held as a prisoner in Rome. Before addressing the problem in the church directly, the apostle uh, begins in this text to announce a few reasons he thanks God for this church. A few reasons he thanks God for this church. Uh, the, a point is that the recognizable impact of the gospel in the lives of people is a reason to thank God. The recognizable impact of the gospel in the lives of people is a reason to thank God. <clears throat> Some, they used to say sometimes in my, in my old church, uh, I may not be all that I should be, but I thank God I'm not what I used to be. <laughs> so, so, so I won't tell too much on myself. If, if, if some may have known me in another time, the recognizable impact of the gospel in my life <laughs> would be a reason to thank God. 
Amen. Let's get back to the text. Because <laughs> I don't want y'all dusting off y'all halos. <laughs> yeah. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. This inspired letter opens with a greeting and in naming the sender first, which was the typical way that the letters or epistles were written in that time, uh, we find out immediately that an apostle of Christ is writing. The word apostle basically means uh, someone who sent. But in the biblical text, it typically refers to someone sent with special authority by Christ to preach the gospel and establish the church. The apostle. Paul, who, who was at one time called Saul. <laughs> well, well, you, you know his story? Yeah, once, he, he, he was once an enemy of the church, uh, persecuting it. Um, yet through an act of God's will and grace, he encountered Jesus. He surrendered his life to him and was sent to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles and anyone else that Paul could get next to. Uh, as, he, as he taught and discipled others, some like Timothy here uh, mentioned in the scripture joined him in ministry. After announcing himself as the sender uh, uh, and, and, and also recognizing the presence of Timothy his, his ministry partner, he moves quickly to address the recipients of the letters. So he, he gives the sender, and then he moves to the recipient. He calls them saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Uh, he wasn't describing a, a special groups, group of believers in that town when he called them saints. Uh, uh, for Paul, all brothers and sisters who were a part of the church were saints. Everybody was saint. They were, they were saints, holy ones, those that were set apart for God in Jesus Christ is what it means, uh, set apart. It, it wasn't a, a matter of being especially good or doing more godly things than others. It was a matter of position and condition based on Jesus. They were saints. They were <clears throat> at Colossae, but more importantly, they were in Christ by faith. They were incorporated into Christ. May, I like this. So, so technically... Maybe I can start addressing the churches as saints. I, I can start calling some of the folks in St. Mark and St. Well, there's already a St. Mark. Uh, St. Yeah. Uh, or, 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 or even better yet, I can start addressing you as Holy One. Holy One Naomi. That, would, that might make some folks uncomfortable. Right? But, but, but just like them, it's our It's our reality. We don't, we don't always live in our reality, if that makes sense. We kind of live under it sometimes. But the fact of the matter is we are holy ones, set apart, set apart by God in Christ Jesus. Wow. Paul, 
Paul completes his greeting with saying grace and peace. Grace and peace. He, he expresses his desire for these saints to be experiencing the unmerited favor of God along with his perfect wholeness and flourishing in their lives. Grace and peace. Uh, he, he, he desires this for them. Although he had never met them in person, Paul affirms the kinship of this group of believers at Colossae with, with him and others through their mutual position as God's children, using inclusive words like God, our Father. Uh, um, they're there in Colossae, but they are a part of the same family. And then he, he goes on, he moves from uh, the greeting into describing his prayers and his thankfulness for them. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. <clears throat> Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Even though Paul had received troubling news uh, uh, about things happening in Colossae, he first takes the time to express both care and joy uh, for this church, letting them know that he's constantly praying for them and thanking God for the good things he's heard about them. Uh, they might be facing some trouble, but there are still some things to be thankful for. And Paul uh, pulls those out. Do we carry that attitude <clears throat> with us when we're moving through life? We might face something difficult. There may be times that don't look good, but we carry this attitude that there's still some things to be thankful for. Well, in Christ, there is always something to be thankful for. Just the beginning of the sentence, in Christ. <laughs> there's always something to be thankful for. The, the thanks Paul shares is tied to three virtues that give evidence of the Colossians' lives being in Christ. There, there's faith, love, and hope. Paul has spoken of these virtues in letters to other churches. He, he encouraged the Thessalonians who worked hard to demonstrate faith, love, and hope in the various circumstances of their lives. Uh, they had been suffering losses, but they were working and laboring in faith, hope, and love. <clears throat> and he seemed to hold, uh, hold these virtues up in front, of, in front of the Corinthians as an example of what should abide in the church, especially pointing out loves in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. He said, and these three remain, faith, hope, love. And he said, but the greatest of these is love. Um, this trilogy of, uh, of virtues. Here Paul and others, Paul didn't, wasn't praying alone. He had a prayer team. <laughs> Paul and others thank God that the Colossians' faith in Christ is evident enough that it could be reported to them. Uh, the word on the street was that over in Asia Minor, there are some true believers in Colossae. The word on the street. 
uh, it was reportable. They, the, the key demonstration of being in the faith is always love. It's always love. Jesus had taught the disciples that everyone would know that they were disciples if they had love for one another. John 13, 35. John would later write that love for the brothers and sisters was a clear sign that a person had passed from death to life. I'm paraphrasing 1 John 3 and 14. He was, he was pointing to the spiritual life that only those in Christ have. A marker that you have come into that life, that you've been born, is that you have love for the brothers and sisters. I just say, I, I, I love the brothers and sisters. Um, Paul could give thanks to God that the Colossians have, that they had and demonstrated proof of their life in Christ through their love for all the saints. As we read and, and examine the letter, I believe God would also want us to be examining ourselves. Does the, does the church today function in this kind of love? Uh, are, are, we, are we kindred and loving with the church in Argentina, with the church in Sri Lanka, uh, 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 with the church in Haiti. So people with, with missionary hearts, they, they'll say, yes, yes, you know, I pray for them. But what about the church in Wilmington, church at, at uh, Fourth and Pine or, 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 or 27th Street? Do we, do, do we have this... Do we have this kindred love for all the saints? The Colossians had love for all the saints. Paul goes on to mention that their love and faith were tied to and instigated by the hope they had. They, they had a hope for them, uh, this hope. Uh, it was not some kind of wishful thinking like the word hope is used today. I hope this happens. I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, hope here is a confident expectation of the future. This is what they had. To, to them, it was a tangible thing that was being kept, especially for them, in a place where it could not be eroded or tampered with. It was a sure thing in heaven in Christ. Their hope. Uh, and their hope uh, produced faithfulness and love. Not only is, not only is uh, Paul thankful and thanking God for these things, his prayer sets an example that these brothers and sisters should also be thankful for these same things. Uh, th this is exciting stuff for Paul. In the, in the original language, this is all one long run-on sentence. It's like he had to get all of the stuff out, and, and we're, we're slowing it down so we can look at it. But uh, uh, Paul goes on, and he, he almost interrupts himself as he starts to reinforce for them why they should be confident in where they stand. He, thanked, he was thankful for the virtues, and now he, 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 he almost interrupts himself saying, why they should be confident in where they stand. The second part of verse 5 says, Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, 
which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it does all among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Just as you learned from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. <clears throat> Although Paul is, is, is not still talking about giving thanks per se, what, what he shares here is more, um, more that the church can be thankful for. He's not saying, I give thanks for this, but what he's saying is something more that the church can be thankful for. Uh, where, where they stand, what they have, and what they hope for all centers on the gospel. It centers on the gospel. Look, first, Paul assures them that what they have, uh, what they have received is truth. Uh, using the definite article, the word, the truth, the gospel. He emphasizes that uh, what they've received stands alone over and against any other word out there. The good news of Jesus Christ has come to them. Uh, uh, how he was born humbly, how he lived perfectly, died on the cross vicariously, was buried and rose from the grave victoriously. What they had was truth. And Paul wanted them to know that. <clears throat> Second, not only is it distinctly true, it is like a seed being planted throughout the known world, and it is producing life just like it is doing there with them in Colossae. It, it, it's He's, he's saying that it, it's no fluke happening in your town. This word is like wildfire moving across the nations. People are hearing the same message you heard and are receiving and understanding that the gospel is God's grace poured out on the world. Even though uh, Paul is, has been moving through greeting and giving thanks for the Colossians so far, um, he can't help it. He, he's already started his argument against the false teaching that's been trying to creep into the church. Um, every time he uses the word truth, he, he's also pointing to the fact that some things out there being heard are untrue. Uh, when he uses uh, the hyperbole saying it's in the whole world, he is stressing the universal effectiveness of the gospel just as it is, without any additives, uh, compared to uh, what, what may be spread locally there in the church. So this is a, this is a worldwide thing. <laughs> it's effective for everyone. Third, Paul tells them that you received it from a trustworthy source. You received it from a trustworthy source. Paul had not physically been to Colossae, but it's, it's likely that Epaphras, who was from there, was converted under Paul's ministry in another town and carried the gospel back home, launching this church. 
Paul reassures the saints here at Colossae that they, uh, what they have received is from an apostolic source. Uh, they are receiving the word from someone who had encountered the word, Jesus Christ. Um, Paul wanted them to know that uh, they hadn't received some second-rate bootleg gospel from some second-rate uh, bootleg preacher. Uh, Epaphras, he said, is, was a faithful brother carrying a faithful message. He vouches for Epaphras being counted in as a servant of Christ with him and the others who were carrying and spreading the gospel. Uh, he, 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 Paul says he has been faithfully serving the church at Colossae. Uh, and he's been true to the message of the gospel. Uh, Paul wanted them to know what they were receiving and who they were receiving it from. It wasn't a, uh, they, they weren't catching some uh, whisper down the lane. Anybody remember that game? Whisper down the lane. Well, we don't have a whisper down the lane faith as much as people on outside might like to tell us that. We don't have a whisper down the lane. Faithful people shared as they were moved by the Spirit of God. They were eyewitnesses of Christ's life and suffering, death and resurrection. And they spoke to other faithful men and women who would continue to share. We got the same gospel. Epaphras had not only carried his, his concern about and that's how you know another sign that somebody's faithful and somebody's true is when they have a concern for you. When things aren't right, uh, uh, they, they care about you. <laughs> and he not only carried his concern about the error that, threatened, uh, that was threatening the church back to Paul uh, and others, he, he brought news of their progress in the faith. Um, so he didn't just run and tell the bad things that were happening in the church. <laughs> he told them about the good stuff. He told them about their, he told them about their, uh, uh, their love in the spirit. <clears throat> uh, there are things happening, but there's love in the spirit that's taking place in that church. You know, one of the first things that when people ask me uh, uh, when after I visited Sycamore Hill... <laughs> How was it? How did you, what did you think? I said, they seem like very loving people. It's one of the first things I reported. Amen. They love, they love this church at Colossae. It was mentioned earlier, but <clears throat> this isn't Paul uh, being redundant. He's, he's sharing another dimension of, of grace that the gospel produced in the lives of the church at Colossae. They are functioning in the spirit. God is at work in them producing what's pleasing to him in them. Um, when he reports that, he's saying all of that. Um, in the book of Galatians, in the fifth chapter, in the 22nd verse, uh, as Paul writes and begins listing the fruit of the Spirit, the first in the list is love. You got it. A plus. It's love. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Uh, it, it, it's been argued that all the other fruit proceeds from that love. 
the joy, the peace, the faithfulness, the long-suffering, that it all, the meekness, it all proceeds from love. On top of the love, faith, and hope that they're recognized for uh, in the church. The church at Colossae, Paul says, can also be thankful for the gospel's work in them, the gospel's work in the world, and the gospel's faithful minister that they have. That's what he's saying to them. You, you, can, you, can, you also have these things that you could be thankful for that many people might just take for granted, that the gospel is working in you, <laughs> that it's working out in the world, not just in you, not just at your church. It's working out in the world, and, and, <clears throat> and, that, and that you got a faithful minister of the gospel. I... I before, I, before I, I close, because we, we wanted to open and get a, um, a, a direction in this book of Colossians. And, and Paul uh, puts a lot in this greeting and in this prayer. And he's going to continue. And next week, he's going to explode. <laughs> so you got to come next week. <laughs> he's going he's gonna, to so I might explode. I don't know. Um, but uh, uh, we, we're, we're putting these, these stones in place. But, but two thoughts I want us to just carry out with us. Um, we know from our own experience that there is no such thing as a church without issues. My, my pastor, my, my former pastor, he would say that, he said, if you find a church, that, a perfect church, he said, you don't join it. <laughs> you get it? Uh, there's, there's no such thing as a church without issues because humans are there. Um, but Paul's thankful prayer and word to the Colossians should guide us in putting thanks before any other thing. Uh, put thanks before the issues. Put thanks before. If, if, if Paul could see this from prison, writing that there was something to be thankful for about the church, uh, surely we can see it from where we are. The church might have some issues, but there's something to be thankful for about the church. We, are, we have all these same reasons that they have to thank God for what they have in the church. Uh, secondly, giving thanks is a form of praise. Uh, if, you, if you really want to get deep into your praise, start giving thanks and, and it, and it moves you into praise. It's a form of praise. So giving thanks is a form of praise. And lastly, the, the centrality of love in the life of the church should be reportable. Should be reportable. Now this week, I'm going to be coming by everybody's job. And I want to hear how reportable your love is. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. What is, our, is our love here at Sycamore Hill still reportable? Uh, is it reportable out in the world? Does the world know that we love here, that we love the brothers and sisters? Um, we want to make sure that our love is reportable. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your grace. Um, 
All of these things, Lord, are given to us in Christ. So we have in Christ so much to be thankful for. Lord, I I pray that uh, we will be constantly recognizing this, that we will be constantly uh, thankful, uh, Lord, even when things aren't uh, the way that we would have them to be. We have a few things, Lord, always to be thankful for. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.